Well, hello, my friends, and welcome to Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett. So glad you're joining us today. And we are with Hickory Ridge Community Church that is located at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. By the way, we'd be honored to have you come and worship with us. And we have a 9 a.m. worship service. We have an 11 a.m. worship service. And we are excited about our children's ministry. We just started some new things in our children's ministry. This fall, we'll be resuming a ministry called Awana, A-W-A-N-A. And if you don't know what that is, Awana stands for Approved Workmen Are Not Ashamed. It is a children's ministry that we'll be offering starting on September the 8th on Wednesday evening. So feel free to call and uh, get more information about that, 757-421-7500. Or if you want to look at our website, uh, that will give you some information on what Awana is. And uh, our website, if you just Google in Hickory Ridge Community Church in Chesapeake, Virginia, that website will pop up. And uh, we would love to tell you more about Awana, more about our children's ministry called Ridge Kids. And uh, they have uh, opportunities every Sunday morning. They do Wednesday night Awana. They do other outreach events. Uh, we're doing mega sports camps this summer. Go to a whole lot of things happening. And uh, we are so excited to welcome a brand new children's director to our church. And so please feel free to take advantage of that, okay? Well, today I want to talk to you about character traits of a servant. Jesus said, if you want to be great in God's kingdom, you got to be servant of all. And how do we become a servant of all? I think we've got to be reliable. I think we've got to realize that God wants to use us in a very special way. And there's a right way to serve God and there's a wrong way to serve God, okay? And it's kind of like things in life. There's a right way to use a hammer. There's a wrong way to use a hammer. Uh, there's a right way to drive your car. There's a wrong way to drive your car. And uh, so Things are designed with a purpose. As a matter of fact, I thought it was a, a very humorous story of a man who was attempting to cross the Alaskan Channel, and he was crossing in a watercraft boat that he made, and he made it out of duct tape. Now, in now many instances, duct tape is highly reliable, but as a means of water transportation, it may not be a prime choice. Uh, just as this Alaska man uh, was attempting to cross this channel in his homemade watercraft, more specifically, it was an inflatable duct tape watercraft. Uh, he was over there paddling with his dog, and, and uh, as he's going through, uh, he ran into some problems. Uh, the duct tape began to kind of fall apart. Water began to leak into his craft, and a local news outlet stated that while the weather on the scene was reportedly calm, with only nine mile hours of winds, a local Coast Guard crew ended up coming to the man's aid when his makeshift boat started to fill with water. You see, they determined that the craft was unsafe and they transferred it and they, they transferred that and the man and his dog and they brought him back to shore. What was he doing? He was using something that was not designed in the way that he was using it. So I want to encourage you today to understand that God has designed you and gifted you. Uh, my small group right now is going through a study on the spiritual gifts. And I love this study because it will examine our lives and we look at our lives and say, okay, what am I gifted for? How has God wired me? How has God gifted me so that I can serve him? You know, Jesus, when he came to this world, he says, I've come to seek and to save those who are lost. And he says, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going to give you my spirit. And he says, he's also going to give us a purpose in our lives. When Jesus was here on this earth, 
he realized that we could not do the work that he's called us to do without being gifted. We also learned that he gave us this fuel that would allow us to be driven and propelled to succeed in the purpose that he has in our lives. So let's look at some of the characteristics of those who are the greatest servants. The first one that comes to mind is that the greatest servants are those who are humble. And I go back to Philippians chapter 2, and Philippians chapter 2 is, or should be, a chapter that you are very, very familiar with. It is called the kenosis chapter, and I know that name doesn't mean a whole lot to you, but that word kenosis means the self-emptying. And what Paul is doing, and he's, and he's setting up the mindset that within the church there was some conflict, and so he's writing to the Philippian believers, and he's saying the source of the conflict is that you're not walking in humility. And so how does Paul give us an illustration of what humility looks like? He doesn't say, well, look at me and see how humble I am. He says, look at Christ. And he says, Christ came, he lowered himself, he set aside some of his godly attributes. Now, he didn't stop becoming God. He was still 100% God, 100% man, but he set aside some of his godly attributes in humility so that he could identify with us. In other words, Jesus understood what it was like to be hungry in his earthly body. He understood what it was like to be tempted. He understood what it was like to be tired. He understood what it was like to go through the suffering and the pain that we go through as humans. Paul uses Jesus as an example of how we should walk in humility. And so I say the best servants are the most humble servants. Paul put it this way, Philippians chapter 2, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others as more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind in yourselves which is yours in Christ Jesus. Now he's going to give us the example of Christ. Christ, who, although he was God, took on the form of God, did not think it was equality with God, a thing to be grasped. In other words, he didn't hang on to his godliness. He released it, emptied himself of it, and he took on the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of man and being found in human form, He humbled himself by becoming obedient, even to the point of death, even death on a cross. Now you think about what Christ did. The humblest servant that ever walked the face of the earth was Jesus himself. He was obedient to his father, and he humbled himself, and he humbled himself to the point of even shame. It wasn't just the pain of the cross, it was the shame of the cross. Jesus humbled himself by taking death for us, taking shame for us. So if you want to be great in God's kingdom, you've got to walk in humility. And by the way, humility cannot be faked. Uh, So many people have a false humility, right? Uh, That woe is me, I'm not worth anything. And what that is is really false humility. They're really saying, I need somebody to give me some attention over here. And so I'm going to talk about how nobody has it as bad as me. And I'm going to hope that you're going to come along and say, oh, you're just wonderful. You're much better than you think you are. Don't look down at yourself like this. You are awesome, right? You are wonderful. That is false humility. You think about humility. What is a good definition of humility? Humility is not thinking less of yourself. Humility is not thinking about myself at all. I'm not having a low self-image or a low view of myself. 
I'm not even spending any time thinking about myself. That is the very act of humility. That's what Jesus did. He emptied himself of himself, taking on the form of himself. Jesus didn't say, woe is me. He didn't say, I got my rights and that being violated. You know, Jesus never one time demanded his rights. There is only one time in the Bible that I know of where Jesus talks about rights and he's talking about the rights of his father. Do you remember when he went into the temple and they had turned the temple into a house of commerce? And Jesus said this. He didn't say, how dare you do this to me? He could have said that. But he says, how dare you do this to my father? You take my father's house, a house of prayer, and you turn it into a house of commerce. So great servants are always those who are humble. Number two, great servants are those who are always prepared. They are ready. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse number 7, Paul says to young Timothy, train yourself for godliness. In other words, be prepared, be ready, train yourself. And then he talks about bodily exercise. Now, Paul is not saying it's of no value. I think some people believe that, okay? Uh, if you look at me, you kind of say, well, I don't think that guy spent a whole lot of time exercising physically. And I would say, well, uh, you're probably right, you know? Paul says, Bodily training is of some value, okay? Godliness is of a value in every way. As a matter of fact, sometimes I, I wish I was a little more disciplined when it came to training my body and what I eat and exercising and that kind of thing. But if you got to make a choice between one or the other, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. In other words, if you are prepared spiritually, you have a blessed life now and you have a blessed life in the future. Physical exercise will help your life now, and that's why I think you ought to exercise. Take care of the body of the, of the Spirit. The temple of the Spirit dwells within your body, so take care of your body. As a matter of fact, I love the shirt that says, this body belongs to God, right? Uh, the body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. So by taking care of it, it gives you a better life now. It's not going to help you in eternity, where spiritual exercise helps you now and in the future. So Paul says to Timothy, practice these things, immerse yourselves in them so that all may see your progress. Now listen, if you're a person who's prepared, you don't have to tell people, I'm prepared. They will look at you and they'll figure out, you got it together. There's this guy in our church, I love him, he's our IT guy, and Ted is one of these guys that always thinks things through and is always prepared. I remember years ago, we went on a mission trip, and, and we were down in the, in the jungles of Guatemala, I think. It was either Guatemala or Costa Rica. And as we're down there, and, and we're going through, and uh, we kept needing things, right? And uh, one of the kids fell and scraped their knee, and I'm like, hey, anybody got a Band-Aid? Well, Ted says, I got one. And he had one of those fanny pack things, and he opened that thing up, and he had a Band-Aid in there. And, uh, and so we kept on going, and, and, and as we kept on going, one of the kids said, man, I'm really thirsty. I said, you didn't bring your water bottle? There's a lot of worry. I got an extra water bottle. He was ready, right? It didn't matter what happened. It seemed like he had it. He had in his in his little fanny pack there. He had a little jackknife, you know, the the uh, that that American Red Cross uh, type jackknife, and uh, he had that thing out because we had to cut away some branches and things like that. So he brought that thing out. Then he had a little hatchet with him, and uh, he had everything with him, right? I see. He must have been a Boy Scout or something. Always prepared, right? Well, the servant of God is always prepared. That's one of the earmarks of being a servant. Number three, servants are always persistent. Luke chapter 12, we discover an interesting story that Jesus gives in Luke chapter 12. 
He says, stay dressed for action. Keep your lamps burning and being like men who are waiting for their master to come from the wedding feast. In other words, they are always ready so that when they open up that door to him, at once when he comes and he knocks, they'll be ready. Blessed are these servants whom their master finds awake when they come. And he comes in and he goes on the second watch or on the third watch and the fourth watch, and he finds them awake. Blessed are these servants. Uh, Do you get what Jesus is saying here? Jesus is saying, I am impressed here because these servants are persistent. They're giving up sleep. They're doing what they're told to do. They're staying dressed, ready for action. They're keeping their lamps burning. They're waiting for their master to come home for this wedding feast. And they are just persistently and patiently waiting. You know, I think about the rapture. The Bible says, watch for you do not know the day nor the hour that the Son of Man shall return. Persistently waiting and watching for the Lord's return. Good servants are doing that. They realize that they got to keep doing what God has called them to do. Well, number four, they serve wherever they are needed. You know, some servants are very selective. I'm going to serve here. But but a servant that is a gratitude-driven servant is one who says, hey, I'll serve wherever it is needed. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, it says, for though I am free from all, Paul says, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win more of them. And that gets real specific here, right? Paul says, now listen, I don't have to do a whole lot of things that I don't want to do. But he says, I'm going to make myself literally a slave to others. In other words, I'm going to put somebody else before me. And the reason I'm doing this is so that I might win them. He says, I become all things to all people. Now, now Paul's not compromising here. He is saying that I'm going to find a point that I can identify with all people by all different kind of means so that I can save some. He says, I do this for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in its blessings. Did you know that people that you really disagree with, I want you to think about somebody that you are polar opposite of. If you will get beyond those issues that you disagree with them on, you will discover that you have probably more in common with them than you think. But barriers have been put up, and you've been stuck on certain things that have uh, prohibited you from connecting with them. You put these walls up. So I'm not like those people. Paul says, I'm going to look at it from a different perspective. I'm going to become their servant, and I'm going to become like them so that I can win them. I'm going to find places that we have commonalities in which we connect. That's why I love sports. When we began the church, I'm like, how in the world am I going to connect with people in our community? I said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I've got young kids coming along at that time. And I says, I'm going to go and I'm going to volunteer to be a t-ball coach. And I says, it's going to do two things. It's going to get me connecting with the kids and the, and the parents of the community. And it's also going to give me an opportunity to spend some time with my own son. So my son, Tyler, my oldest, who is getting ready to get married soon. I'm so excited for them. And, uh, and, and he was five years old. And I uh, said, Dad, I want to play t-ball. I says, great, I want to coach t-ball. And so I signed up and, and our church actually for years 
sponsored a, a, a t-ball team. And, and the great thing was that uh, on the front of the jerseys, it said Hickory Ridge Community Church. And so we, for years, have sponsored a t-ball team. And, uh, and I said, well, great, Tyler. I'm going to coach the team. You'll be on the team. We'll get to meet some of your friends. Uh, we'll get to spend some time meeting the parents. It brought a, a common connection. You know, as I'm with these parents, I knew that there's a lot of things that we disagreed about, but there's one thing we agreed about. We agreed about playing t-ball together. And every parent thought that their son or their daughter was the best t-ball player out there. And so it came to a common point of connection. And I would talk about how great their kids did playing out there. And even though they may have been out there in the outfield, like picking the dandelions and everything else, I said, man, you got a good ball player coming up there in the making. Keep working with them, right? And I formed this connection with them. And, you know, lo and behold, a lot of those people started coming to our church. I had one guy who came, and uh, and I remember he says, I'm going to come to your church. He said, any pastor will coach my kid on T-ball and be as patient as, as you've been with my son. Must be a good pastor. I had the opportunity of leading him and his wife to the Lord and uh, part of our church for years until, until the Navy moved him out of the area. Listen, be a servant, be persistent, but serve wherever you are needed. I find there was a big need in our county for T-ball coaches. And you know another great thing about being a T-ball coach? So many times we complain, well, well, they're, they're having all these sporting events on Wednesday, so my kids can't go to youth and can't go to Wana. Well, you know what? When I was a T-ball coach, I would say to the director, now listen, I would like you for that you not schedule any of our games for Wednesday nights. You know, that guy says, that's no problem, Pastor. We'll schedule all your games for Thursday night or Friday night. We won't schedule anything for Wednesday nights. So Wednesday nights, we had no practice. We had no games. And we became part of the solution, not just complaining, right? So servers serve where they're needed. Number five, they serve as God directs. As God opens up a door, they serve. Psalm 86, 11. Love this verse. David says, now tell me where you want me to go, and I'll go there. May every fiber of my being unite in reverence to your name. Now, let, let me give you the background of this verse, of this Psalm 86, okay? Now, David wanted to serve God and wanted to honor God by building a temple, a beautiful, wonderful, permanent temple for God to dwell in. He draws up the plans, he gets the schematics together, and he gets all the details of this temple. He even talked to the priest and the Levites to make sure that Everybody was on the same page. Even with all this preparation that he had done and all the ways that he had served God, we learn in 1 Chronicles 28, it shows us that the Lord did not want David to build that temple. God says, no, David, you're a man of war. You're a warrior, not a temple builder. Solomon, your son, is going to be the one who builds the temple. You can get the preparations ready. You can draw up the plans. You can start getting the money together. But Solomon's going to do that. Now, how many of us would have pouted, right? So what do you mean? Solomon's going to build this temple. I'm the man after God's own heart. I'm the first decent king you've had. Why don't you let me build that temple? David, in obedience, in response, says, Okay, God, tell me where you want to go. Tell me what you want me to do. May every fiber of my being unite in reverence to your name. You see, sometimes the Lord will say no to our plans to serve, and sometimes he will say, not now, and sometimes he will say yes. But we must trust God and obey, and knowing, Romans 8, 28, that all things do work together 
for those who are called according to God's purposes. Be willing to serve wherever God wants you to serve. Don't pout if you don't get your way. Realizing there is always room for your gift. If you can't sing on the worship team, you can always work in the children's ministry. If there's not an opening in the children's ministry, well, how about the youth ministry? If there's nothing available there, how about being on the lawn team? How about being involved in cleaning the church? How about being a greeter? How about being an usher? You see, there's so many opportunities for us to serve. Don't get upset if a particular area that you want to serve is not available at that time. If God wants you in that place, there will always be room for your gift. Number six, I got to move on because time is marching on. The greatest of servants expect to suffer. Matthew 10, 25. A disciple, said Jesus to his disciples, is not above his master, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher and a servant to be like his master. If they have called the master of this house Beelzebub, how much more will they malign those of his household? Jesus is saying, they call me a Baal worshiper. They call me a son of Baal. If they persecuted me, they'll also persecute you. Because the disciple is not above his teacher. The servant is not above his master. If Jesus suffered, then you must also expect to suffer. Now, that seems like a a sad commentary on serving the Lord. You mean I'm going to serve the Lord and I'm going to suffer for it? Oh, yeah, yeah. Not everybody's going to be happy that you are serving the Lord. But our motivation doesn't come from how we are received by others. Our motivation comes from how God receives us. You know, I think about our culture today, and I think so many pastors are fearful to speak out on truth, to speak out about what true biblical marriage is. You know, God's idea of marriage is one man, one woman for one lifetime. He said, well, now, pastor, that's not very popular right now. And you might get some negative responses from people, and and they may cancel you, and and they, they may malign you if you speak that way. You know, I decided a long time ago, I do not live for the applause of mankind. I live for the applause of God. At the end of my life, I want the Lord to say of me, well done, my good and faithful servants. You've been faithful in a few things. I'm going to make you ruler over mighty things. Enter now into my rest. You see, we only have one life to live. And if we have to suffer for a short period of our lives, that's okay, because we look at what is ahead. Well, here's the seventh thing of great servants, and this is the last but not the least, and that those who are energized to be great servants, they are not ashamed. Not ashamed of the gospel, not ashamed of what God has called them to do. Again, going back to Paul and what he said to young Timothy, Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, hey, Timothy, let's call him Tim. Hey, Tim, do your best to present yourself to God as one who is approved, a workman who doesn't need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So so Paul uses that phrase, a worker who has no need to be ashamed. In other words, I have received the gospel. I am properly handling the word of truth, so I have nothing to be ashamed of. I realize that God has called me to do this, and he has equipped me to do this, I'm going to present myself to God as one who is approved, and I'm never ashamed because God has approved me. You see, when God's approval rests upon you, 
you have nothing to be ashamed of. You see, it is a joyous work that we've been given. And we look to the day when our master returns and he says to each of us, well done, good and faithful servant. Oh, do you have a servant's heart today? Do you have that heart that wants to be a blessing to other people? You know, one day you're going to be laid to rest and your family is going to gather around. They're going to gather around and they're going to remember some good things about you. They may remember a few bad things about you. As they look over your life, will they say that you are a servant of God? Will they say that you've committed your life completely to Him and that you joyously worked for Him? As I think about the brevity of life, we are reminded that we are here for a very short time. James reminds us that our life is as a vapor that appears for a little while, then we're gone. Like steam coming off a kettle. Life is brief. How are you serving the Lord today in your life? Great servants begin by understanding the mission is much bigger than them. That the mission is not about them. They are fulfilling the desires and the wishes of God Almighty. Today, as you look at your life, you have this opportunity to be a great servant. Somebody once told me that everyone has a circle of at least six people. With those who are closest to you, the six closest people in your life, do they know Christ? Do they see Christ in you? Are you serving in such a way that they want to know who Christ is? Lord, as we conclude our time together, I pray that we will be servants, that we'll humble ourselves and be a blessing to those that we come in contact with. And maybe we could be even a servant the way we drive our car today. So Lord, allow us to be servants as Christ was a servant. Allow us to humbly serve others so they can see the Jesus living in us. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3220 South Battlefield Boulevard, Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, you go to our website at www.hrcc7.org. No matter what you're going through, remember, in Jesus Christ, there is always hope for your heart.